Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. So we're starting a new series and it's called No Offence. I want to say something really horrible, but no offence. No offence taken. We've called the series No Offence because that's the goal. Our goal as we walk through life is to remain unoffended. That's a big goal. It's not easy. Anyone? It's not easy. But it's the goal. The goal is to remain unoffended to let it go, to choose to not be offended. Wow, I'm going to keep going even though I feel very boomy. Am I okay? I sound better. Okay, good. Offence is a biggie. Bad language, but true. It's a biggie. I heard Pastor Mark Kelsey preach a message quite a few years ago about offence and he said that he believes that offence is one of, if not the biggest problem in the church today. Offence, this is what it means. To cause displeasure, anger, resentment or wounded feelings. So does anyone relate this morning? Anyone ever been angry at someone? Anyone ever felt resentful? Anyone ever had their feelings hurt? Yes. It happens. It happens. Someone says something, does something, and we feel offended. Jesus actually said this in Luke 17 verse 1, it is impossible that no offenses should come. So right, he's just putting it out there for all of us to know. He's saying, let me warn you of this one thing. You will have the opportunity to be offended sometime, maybe many times. Someone is going to say something or do something and you and I will have the opportunity to pick up offence, which puts offence, a fence, in between us and them. Paul was telling me a story the other day. He read a story in some paper, because he does that, of a woman in Perth who is a vegan. Did anyone read this? And she took her next door neighbours to court because she was offended with their barbecue because of what she was co- they were cooking on the barbecue because she had to smell the fish. I think it was fish. Was it fish? It was something. It was something that wasn't vegan. The world has gone mad. She didn't win. Anyway. But that's a crazy example, but there are some real-life examples. Some of you are living and allowing words to define you, some words that cut you to the core of your being, 
and you're offended and you're letting them define you. Some of you are living with broken promises and you're offended. Maybe you're offended at God today. Some of you have disappointments and it's gone into offense. You know, John Bevere says this. He says, many people are unable to function properly in God's purpose and calling for their lives simply because of the wounds, hurts, and offenses they are holding on to. That's pretty amazing. Unable to function in God's purpose and calling because of offense. I want to ask you this morning, are you holding on to offense? Ask yourself, honestly. Many people are handicapped and hindered in life because of offense. Offended people are hurting people. And when they are hurting, their understanding and perspective is affected. When I'm hurting and offended, my understanding and my perspective, it's affected. It's affected. I can't see it, but it's true. As soon as we are offended, we begin to judge the person we're offended with. And we assume that we know and understand all of their motivations, which we don't. We might see something or or hear something and decide we know what's going on. And we will probably find that we attract others to ourselves who are also offended. And then we all sit around together and complain about all the faults of the person we're offended with. It's a bit tough, isn't it? But let me tell you, it happens. And what the truth is that we are actually deceived and we are broken and we are lost in the offense. And it's horrible and it's destructive. And it's one of the greatest tools the enemy uses within the church. Revelations 12 says this, Then I heard a loud shout, a loud voice shouting across the heavens, It has come at last, salvation and power, and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. Did you know that's what the devil does? Day and night, he accuses us before God. That's not very nice, is it? No. So here we go. If, if we find ourselves sitting in the seat of accusation against others, it's actually not God we're listening to. And it's not God we're imitating. The accuser is the devil. Proverbs 10 verse 12, which is our scripture for the series, our key scripture, it says, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Hatred stirs up strife. In other words, it feeds offense. It goes over it again and again. And it adds fuel to the fire. And it's harmful. But on the other hand, love covers all offenses. It forgives It chooses to let it go. It chooses to live free of the danger of offense. So what do we do? I was going to say if we're offended, but I'll change it. What do we do when we're offended? I mean, the best thing to do is to not not take it. 
to not take offense, to let it go. But if you're anything like me, you get offended. Are you all perfect, perfect people out there? I get offended. And if we're offended, the first thing we need to do to find healing and freedom is to recognize that we're offended. <laughs> to, to understand that we are angry, we are hurt, we, we are resentful, and actually we're not okay. Pretending we are fine and that, oh no, I'm bigger than that. Maybe in this instance you're not. Pretending that we're fine is just going to prolong the pain and bring, it won't bring the healing, it will prolong the healing and the freedom that we need. When Paul and I first got married in the last century, 33 and a half years ago, um, I was a baby, so young. And we'd be lying in bed at night and I would not be facing him. I'd be facing that way, he was over there. And I'd be upset all the time. It's amazing we're still married. He's an amazing man. And the bed would shake because I'd be crying without a sound, no sound. And he'd say, is everything all right, honey? You okay? What's wrong? Nothing. It wasn't until I actually started to be open and honest and that anything ever got dealt with. So we have to actually understand and say, okay, this is something I need to deal with. Not just deny it, press it down. If you read a lot of the Psalms that David wrote, he talked about being upset and hurt and wounded and offended. But he would say things, he says things like this. It was my brother. It was it was my brother, you know, that we used to go to church together. It was the people close to him. Because the people close to us are the people that we most, most often get offended by. And like you, I, don't share all of my life and my innermost workings and feelings and things with everybody. I hope you don't. But there are a few people, just a few people. And I had a situation where, um, where a, a very close friend of mine, I shared some stuff with her, some stuff that was really important to me, that meant something for, to me. And she did, would you believe, she did the exact thing that I had shared with her that caused deep pain in my life. She did it. And I didn't understand. I thought, how could she do that? She's my closest, one of my closest friends. How could she do that? And I thought I was just hurt. But really, I was offended. Not only was I offended, I was deeply offended. And it affected me. It affected my everyday living. It affected how I acted, how I saw the world, how I saw her. Uh, how I saw others, and I had to recognize that actually I was offended. I was not bigger. I wish I was bigger. 
but I was offended. And I also had to realize this, I could not get out of this offense all by myself. I actually needed God. I needed his help. It was too much for me to handle without God. Offense is too much for you to handle without God. I needed his help to deal with it. And part of me didn't even want to talk to him about it because I knew exactly what he was going to say. Exactly. I knew he was going to say, you have to forgive her, and I didn't want to. Everything in me wanted to run, to run away from the relationship, from the pain, because it was extreme. I even wanted, this is how bad it got. This is crazy. I think about it now and I think, crazy woman. I even, I thought, I even wanted to run from God's plan for my life. I even wanted to run from his purpose for my life. That's how full on it got. John Bevere said that. He said, there are many Christians who actually aren't fulfilling their purpose because they're offended. And it actually made me want to run. I wanted to bury it rather than confront it. I wanted to bury it rather than up to it and deal with it. The devil uses offense. He tries to trap us in pain and deception because when we're living in our offense, we can't function in God's plan. And God wants us to face it head on because he knows that the end result is we will be stronger We will be more forgiving, we'll be more gracious, and it will bring freedom to our lives. Running from our purpose and refusing to deal with offense will not free us from the problem. Denial will not free us from the problem. It only gives us temporary relief. You might be sitting here this morning, and it's like God is saying, come on. It's time to deal with it. It's time to deal with it. That relationship, that offense that you've been carrying, it's time to deal with it. Do you know, the reason God wants us to deal with it is because if we don't, this is what happens. If we don't, we fall prey to this very, very very horrible thing that will ruin our lives. It's an uplifting, exciting message, I know. But let me tell you this terrible, horrible thing that can ruin our lives, and that's this bitterness, which turns into cynicism. Where there's an edge to us. There's an edge to our voice. There's an edge to our stance. Come on. There's an edge to our attitude. Hebrews 12 says, look after each other so that none of, you fails to, none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. A poisonous root of bitterness, the Bible says, it, it corrupts us. And the writer of Hebrews says to us, watch out for it. Because if we don't deal with offense and choose to forgive and choose to let God in, we get bitter and a root of bitterness grows inside us 
and it contaminates our lives. A root is something that is planted down inside of us. Unless we pull it out by the root, it won't go away. Have you ever just cut a weed off at the top? I'm not a gardener at all, but I even know this. You've got to get the root out to kill it. And we can try and act nice and good and pretend. Just changing the leaves, just cutting off the top on the outside. But if the root isn't pulled out, there won't be lasting change. Eventually our acting nice will account for nothing because at some point what's inside of us will come out and some poor unsuspecting person might say something to you. (laughs) Wow, sorry. And out it all comes. Oh, and it's easy to justify. If you knew what I'd been through, if you knew, you'd understand. I'm not bitter. I just know that life never turns out the way I want it. And what's the point? I'm not bitter. I'm a realist. I've been playing this game for too long and and I know how it works and it's never in my favour. I'm not bitter. And bitterness becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And it affects our whole life. So what do we do with it? Exodus 15, verse 23 says this, When they came to the oasis of Marah, the water was too bitter to drink. It was an o- o- did you see that? When they came to the oasis. We may think, we may think this bitterness, you know, we, off we go and we just live in that. It's not an oasis, let me tell you. The water was too bitter. It's bitter over there. So they called, called the place Mara, which means bitter. Then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink, they demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water, and this made the water good to drink. When the children of Israel came to Mara, the waters were bitter, and Moses got a tree. He got a piece of wood and he threw it into the water and it made the bitter water sweet and that tree is the tree of life and that is Jesus. He is the only one who can turn our bitter waters into sweet but we have to let him come in and do it. We have to give him access. There's another story in John 11 and it's a family of a brother and two sisters, Lazarus, and Mary and Martha, and they were so close to Jesus. They used to hang out, they used to party, they used to just fellowship, food, it was great. And Jesus was in another place. And Lazarus got sick. And the sisters, they said, they sent word and they said, come Jesus, come, come, come. We know that you'll look after our brother. And Jesus didn't come. And he died. And when Jesus finally got there, Martha came running out. In John 11, you can read about it. And she said, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. If you had been here. Because she was angry and she was resentful. And Jesus said this beautiful thing. He said, take me to the place 
where they laid him. Take me to the place where everything died. When we don't forgive and we become disappointed and then we become bitter and then we become cynical, God wants us to take him to that place. God wants us to let him into that place. See, we can think about the situation. We can go over it and over it and over it in our mind. And we can think, well, if it just didn't happen, and how come it happened? And it's not fair that that happened. And look at them over there, nothing bad ever happens to them. Come on, you've thought that. Or we can talk about it to everyone who comes within the 30 centimeter radius of us. And it becomes all we ever talk about and we just go over it and over it and it's the same ground over and over again. And there's no healing and there's no resolution. But, and look, we need to talk to one or two, but not to everyone. Thinking and thinking and talking and talking and it isn't going to change us. Jesus said, take me. Hello. Take me to the place. When we get God into the place where it all fell apart and we invite him in there to have free reign and control and access, we will actually become free. Some of you are sitting there saying, yeah, but I know the end of the story of Lazarus. And when Jesus went to Lazarus, he called him from the grave and, Jesus came to, and Lazarus came to life. And my situation's different. My relationship is dead, the person is dead, the business is dead, the dream is dead. What happened for him cannot happen for me. Look, I am not saying that as you allow Jesus access to that part of you that is bitter and angry and, and cynical that things will turn out exactly as you wanted them to. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that our God can take any situation as hopeless and broken as it may look to you, as dead and barren as it may look to you right now, and he can bring about something that is beautiful and full of life. He is the one who can do that. He is the only one who can do that. But we have to give him access. We have to be willing to forgive. We have to be willing to allow him to take out the root of bitterness and set us free. Can I have the musos up here, please? I want to read you a beautiful quote from N.T. Wright. It says this, go to Jesus. Take it to Jesus. Tell him the problem. Ask him why he didn't come sooner. Why he allowed that awful thing to happen. And then be prepared for a surprising response. I can't predict what the response will be for the very good reason that it's always a surprise. But I know the shape that it will take 
and that shape is Jesus. Jesus will meet your problem with some new part of God's future that can and will burst into your present time. It'll burst into the mess, the grief, with good news, with hope, and with new possibilities. That's our God. He will burst into your situation with good news, with hope, and with new possibilities. Will you let him? Will you let him in? Will you give him access? Will you let it go? Will you forgive? That's the question. Because it's all our choice. It's our decision. And only we can make it. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au We hope to see you in church again this weekend.